Well, if you have your Bibles open to 2 Peter, we're looking at verse number 4. We'll be going through verse number 8 tonight. I've already entitled this message, The Church, A Construction Zone. I don't know about you, but aren't you glad that God's still working on you? And He will continue to work on us until He calls us home. None of us have arrived. None of us will get to the point where we got it all figured out. Matter of fact, the older I'm getting, the more I realize how dumb I am. That was not a place for any laughter there, by the way. <laughs> oh, well, we're looking at stones. We're not talking about the rolling stones. We're talking about three kinds of stones. First of all, we're going to see in the living stone. Of course, that's making reference to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then in the text that we're going to be looking at tonight, we see the living stones. That's us. That's the church. That's the ones who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and have called upon His wonderful name and are saved, know they're saved, and are bound for heaven. But then there's a third stone, and that third stone is a stumbling stone. And so we're going to look at that tonight, and we're going to see that we are builders. If you're a believer, you should be a builder. And what are we doing? We are building the church. Now understand, we're not talking about brick and mortar. We're not talking about what we saw there from Honduras. That's, uh, that, that's part of it, but that's not building a church. Building a church is investing in people's lives and coming uh, to them knowing Jesus Christ is their personal Lord and Savior. That's how we build the church. And so here, Peter is reminding us of these three stones. He's reminding us uh, the proper place for all three. So reading from the Word of God, it says, And to whom coming? He's talking about the Lord Jesus. To whom coming? See, Peter recognized the fact that the Lord could come at any time. So to whom coming, as into a living stone, uh, this allowed indeed of men. Some translations may have... Uh, that they rejected him. But he goes on and says, but chosen of God. See, men may uh, reject Christ, but God the Father chose Jesus to be the living stone in which the church was going to be built upon. He says, but chosen of God and precious. Now that word precious, we're going to hear it uh, many times over in these four verses. Do you recognize tonight that the living stone, the Lord Jesus Christ, is precious to you? I mean, uh, there's a song that says that the longer I live, the sweeter He becomes. The longer that we serve the Lord Jesus Christ, He becomes even more precious to us, does He not? And so Peter reminds us that He's precious. Then he says, Ye also... As living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, 
to, uh, to offer up spiritual sacrifices or acceptable, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, because of all of this, because there is a living stone, and because there are living stones, wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. There's that word again. Of course, he's referring to the Lord Jesus. Uh, he says that he has laid a living stone, and this living stone is how we're going to be able to build the church. And he goes on and says, And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. And to you, therefore, which believe he is precious. Do you understand? Can you, can you just, can you imagine this? Peter was penning this letter. Oh, he uses this word three times. He's precious. He's precious. He's precious. When we really start to focus upon our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that should be a natural byproduct of our thinking. He's precious. Oh, he's been precious to me. Many of you can testify here tonight, can you not, that he's brought you through some stuff. He's brought you through things that you never imagined that would take place in your life. He's brought you through situations that at one time you thought, I just don't know how I'm going to be able to make it. But God always shows Himself faithful and strong. And when we go through the trials and we go through the tribulations and when we go through the heartache and He brings us through, can we not do anything but say He's precious? Oh, He's precious to me. And then he goes on, he says, uh, which believe uh, he is precious, but unto them. Now here's where we get to the stumbling stones. But unto them which disobey the, st the stone which the builders disallowed, or here again rejected, the same is made the head of the corner. Verse number 8, and a stone of stumbling. Now he's starting to talk about those stumbling. Now he's talking about a stumbling zone. He's talking about those who have been disobedient. They didn't obey what the Word of God says about Jesus. They rejected the chief cornerstone. And because of that, they're stumbling. But I may remind you tonight, even though we may be a living stone, there are times when we become stumbling stones, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. And he says that he's a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But I want you to look at verse number 9. So he talks about the living stone. He talks about the living stones. He talks about the stumbling zone. But look at verse number 9. But ye, talking about you who are living stones, but ye are a chosen generation. Aren't you glad the grace of God reached down and plucked you up from your sinful nature? 
Aren't you glad tonight that He looked at you and He says, I want you. Now, I know back some, and I guess they still have the poster, you know, the where they were doing the recruiting and they'd have somebody dressed up like Uncle Sam and says, I want you. Hey, and I'm grateful that we have many in our fellowship that went and served. But I'm even more delighted in that he looked at me one day and he says, I want you, Mike. Aren't you glad of that? When he, by the way, when he, was, when, he was, when he had that desire, when he was pointing at you, he was hanging on the cross. When he was dying on the cross, he was saying, I want you. I want you. I want you. Oh, aren't you glad tonight that he chose you even before you chose him? No wonder we can say, oh, he's precious. <laughs> he's precious to me. But then he goes on and says, but you are a chosen generation. He says, you're a royal priesthood. He says that we are a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, that word peculiar doesn't mean like what you think. Now, y'all are peculiar. Okay. This is talking a different peculiar. That word means that we should be set apart. That word means that we should, that, that, that we should show a difference. That means that... We're not holier than thou, but we don't march to the beat of the world. We don't cater to what the world gravitates towards. We we don't lust after what the world has to offer. See, we're a peculiar people. And then he goes and he says that you should show for the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Aren't you glad tonight that you were in darkness but the Lord Jesus because of His grace and His mercy looked at you and said I want you and you came to realize the light of the world came to visit you and He brought you out of darkness. Can you understand now why Peter said oh He's precious. He's precious to me. So the first thing that we see here tonight is the living stone. That's found in verse number 4. The living stone. The, uh, the scripture tells us that he is the cornerstone. In Ephesians chapter 2 verses 20 through 22, we understand. Verse 20 says he's the chief cornerstone. And, and the, because he is the chief cornerstone, verse number 21 says that everything is bind together or framed together. See, we understand as we're building the church that we have to have a cornerstone. And not anyone is qualified to be the chief cornerstone. Only the Lord Jesus Christ meets all the qualifications for being the chief cornerstone. But because He's the chief cornerstone, everything gravitates towards Him. Everything's built out from Him. We need to understand tonight that we cannot build a church uh, upon our foundation, but we're going to see that we build our church upon the foundation the Lord Jesus Christ. And so He says that He's the chief cornerstone. But then he goes and says that we're framed together. We're framed together for a purpose. Verse number 21 says to build a holy temple. Now we're going to see here in this verse, he says we're building a spiritual house. 
but we also see uh, it's also referred to as a holy temple. Now before you can build a holy temple, you have to become a holy temple yourself. And the only way you can become a holy temple in yourself is that you recognize the fact that Jesus Christ died for you and Jesus Christ shed His blood for you. And when you come to know Him and call upon His name by faith, you confessed your sins, you repented of your sins, you need to understand that's the only way you can become a builder of a spiritual house. You have to be a spiritual house before you can build a spiritual house. Is any Anybody listening to me tonight? And so he's the chief cornerstone. But then in verse 22, it says that we're building a habitation for God. We're building a place where God can dwell. Here again, we're not talking about brick and mortar, we're talking about ourselves. See, we need to recognize that when Jesus Christ came into our life and the Holy Spirit set up resonance in us, then we are now carrying around a habitation for God. And if we're carrying a habitation for God, it should shine outwardly. But it has to happen inwardly before it can go outwardly. And so here we understand that the church of of Jesus Christ... He has to be the chief cornerstone. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 11, oh, we, we see what we mean by this. But you've got to go back a little further. Go to verse number 9 in verse 1 Corinthians, if I can get it out, chapter 3. Verse number 9 says, we are laborers. Okay? Do you see that? We're laborers. What are we laboring for? A building for God. That's what it says. In verse number 10, Paul is talking. He says, And because of His grace, He made me the master builder. And he says, I had laid the foundation, and others coming behind me build upon that foundation. Now, Paul is not talking about that he put his foundation down. We understand that because in verse number 11 it says that no man can lay the foundation because the foundation has already been laid and that's Jesus Christ. And so Paul is not saying, hey, you need a, uh, you need a, uh, I built this church. I, I'm the one that uh, built it and others have come to build upon it. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that I laid the foundation but the reason why I was able to lay the foundation because the foundation was already there. I didn't have to guess about this thing. It was already laid. Even before the foundation of the world was established, the foundation had already been set. He wanted to build a church. And the church, Paul says... The foundation's been laid. He's the chief cornerstone. Everything evolves around Him. He holds everything together. Do you understand tonight that many churches are not together because they've lost sight of who the chief cornerstone is? And when you forget about who the chief cornerstone is, everything will unravel. What keeps us together? You think about it. You just think about the church. Just here tonight. You think about all our various backgrounds. 
You think about our, ver- our, our different educational levels. You think about our different occupations that are represented in this room tonight. And you think about our personalities. Some of us are type A. I mean, you know, you're just all over the place. And some of us are a little more subdued, a little more passive. And, and we think about our likes and our dislikes. And some of us like uh, uh, tofu. Well, probably nobody here likes tofu. But we all have different tastes and all that. Isn't it amazing that He can bring us all together with all of our differences and keep it together? And the only reason He keeps it together is that we've come to understand that we have to build our foundation on the chief cornerstone. And when we're building the church upon the chief cornerstone and the foundation that he's laid. It's not us keeping it together. He keeps it together. I don't know about you, but I'm sure glad he can keep it together. I'm just being honest with you. There are times when I don't really don't know what to do. I know that's hard to believe. I sit sometimes in my office and I'm thinking, Lord... What do they need? I'll just be honest with you. And and I know I've made mistakes and I know I've messed things up. But I'm sure glad that this church is not held together because of the one behind this pulpit. It's held together by the chief cornerstone. The Lord Jesus Christ. It's His foundation that everything's laid upon. And if we continue to remember that and work towards that and labor together in unison and unity, He'll keep us together for His glory, for His honor. And so we see uh, He goes and He talks about uh, what holds it together. But notice... He says there's no man that can lay the foundation. The foundation has already been laid. Now, that gets us into the living stones. By the way, notice the living stone is seed. doesn't say stones. Now he talks about us. He uses the plural form. He says we are the living stones. What does it mean to be a living stone? Well, Romans chapter 8 verse number 13 tells it like this. It says that if we live by the flesh, we will die. But if we uh, kill the the deeds of the flesh, we will live. Here's how we become a living stone. You have to die. Now, what are we talking about? First of all, the reason why we're able to really live tonight is because Jesus died for us. He died so we could live. But the scriptures goes on and tells us that we have to kill the flesh. We have to crucify the flesh. It says that we must decrease so He can increase. See, what we need to be understand and just to go ahead and sum it up is that we're living stones because we have died to self. And the only way we can die to self is to accept the one and receive the one who died for us so that we can live. 
is any of this making any sense. We're living stones because we have died. We have died to the flesh. We have died to the lust and the desires of the flesh. But then he goes on and says, uh, because of that, Galatians chapter 5, verse number 24 tells it this way. He says, how do you know that we're His? Because we killed the flesh. We really have a problem with that, do we not? We really do. Many churches are uh, in an uproar because those living stones did not realize that they had to have a death. It's hard to get that old flesh out, isn't it? We like to do things our way. We like to call the shots. We like to be recognized. We, we, we like to, to go around and say, hey, we, we got this thing figured out. Oh we, oh, we we've gotten so sophisticated in the church and we know how to do outlines and we know how to do lessons and we know how to uh, organize and we know how to do all of that. And, and what's happened in the modern church today is that we've lost sight that our power doesn't come from our programs. Our power doesn't come from our ministry. Our power comes from the Holy Spirit working in us and enabling us. And when we die to ourselves, that's when He'll take off and that's when He'll really go to work. And the problems that we have in the churches today is because we have not killed the flesh. We've got to kill the flesh. That old flesh wants to rise up. Some of us have gotten arrogant and prideful. We see it all in the church today. We strut around and we'll go to conventions. and the, this, I don't go to many conventions like I did, but uh, I'm just going to tell you what happens usually at those. It's usually a networking for an old boy who feels like he needs to move on or he just can't handle his church anymore. And so he starts networking and he starts making contacts. Hey, do you know a good church? You know a good church? You know a good church? I'm just going to be honest with you. When we have those that are running for office, and in itself I'm not saying it's bad, but I've always had problems with this. We want to elect the president of the SBC, and here's what they'll do. Well, he pastors this church, and he has 20,000 members because of his ministry there. That church has grown, and it's all about numbers. Oh, they've been in a number of building programs. And I'm thinking, well, why don't, if we're looking for someone to head our denomination, why aren't we talking about, but you know, here's all I got to say. I'm not talking about the numbers, not talking about the growth. And in itself, nothing wrong with that, but we got to be careful when we start going ahead and throwing those numbers around. I never heard a, 
a speech or for someone and says, I want the convention to know I'm endorsing brother so-and-so because he sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ. He prays uh, three or four hours a day and, and talks about uh, how he walks with God and how he uh, talks about it and say, well, that ought to be assumed. But I, I, I understand that. But it's uh, strange to me. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the weird duck here. But we've lost sight of the reason why we're able Able to build the church it's not because of our great personality and charismatic uh, way to go about doing things if that church has grown you better be giving the praise and glory to God and God alone because it's not our foundation we build it on we build it on his foundation he's the chief cornerstone and we have the wonderful privilege to be a living stone to help build his church I'm telling you, we've lost sight. We don't need God. We don't need His power. We got this thing figured out. And that's the very reason why our baptism numbers are bottoming out. That's the very reason why we're not making an impact anymore. It used to be when... They were wanting to come and bring liquor into the town that you would in, that the church would rise up and, uh, and they would vote that thing down. Not no more. They don't give a flip of what we because we, they know we no longer have the power. And it's not because we haven't organized well, it's because we've lost sight that if we're going to do anything for God, God's got to work it through us. And it's the power of the Holy Ghost. We don't hear that anymore. We're scared to preach about holy living. We're scared to preach about, because if we talk too much about the Holy Spirit, they think we're charismatic. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah, I remember the day when pre- pre- Baptist preachers started backing off talking about the spirit-filled life because they were scared we'd be associated with the charismatic movement who's twisting the thing around, by the way. Spirit-filled living is not about getting out of control and jumping pews and, and, and swinging on chandeliers. The, it, knowing that your spirit-filled is, you're under control. And so what we've done is that we have gone and we have settled that we got this thing figured out. And so here we're living stones. But notice, what are we supposed to do if we're living stones? What, are, what is our... Well, we're living, right? We're living stones, which means we should have some life. What are we supposed to be doing? How do we build the church that we that have experienced life speak life in those who are in darkness and have death? That's what we're supposed to do. How do we do that? Well, John chapter 4, verse number 35 tells us this. Jesus speaking, he says, The fields are white unto harvest. He says that we are to go and speak light and light into a dark and dead world. That's our purpose. Now, that moves us right into the stumbling stone. Now, it's going to tie in. Hang in there. The stumbling stones. 
Here, I understand the primary teaching in the text here is pertaining to those who have rejected Jesus Christ. They have stumbled over the Word. They have stumbled over what Jesus Christ uh, and what Jesus said about Himself. They stumbled over that. And, and I understand that's the primary teaching, but I think there's a secondary teaching here as well. And so he says the st- they are stumbled. Jesus, Scripture tells us that He performed miracles amongst them or before them, and they believed Him not. What are we talking about here? They stumbled... Because they were in darkness. Now, my eyesight's bad. I know that. When I get up in the middle of the night, it can be comical. I bump into stuff. And and if they change anything, I'm really messed up. I think sometimes they do that just to mess me up. Ezekiel leaves a toy right there where he knows i got to go to go to the bathroom. He, I think he does that on purpose to get a laugh because I'll stumble over it. Why do I do that? Because I can't see it. Lost people can't see it. So they stumble over it. Here Jesus did miracles. We see it in John chapter 12. Verse number 30, Jesus did miracles and they still didn't believe Him. Why? Because they were spiritually blind. But here's where I'm going with this. You can also be a living stone and also become a stumbling stone. Go back to my visual here. Mom reminded me of this Sunday we, uh, she went home with us and she enjoyed the service. And by the way, y- y'all are always so so nice and graceful to my mom. And she believes everything you say to her. And, uh, and, and she just enjoys coming here. But she said, there's one thing, Mike. I said, what's that, Mama? She says, you worry me when you get towards that edge. I said, well, Mama, I get a little nervous too. She says, I, I can just see you falling off there. And I said, I can see that too. <laughs> but, I, but you'll notice, if I decide, you know, I hang, always hang on here. I figure if I go off, I can, of course, the thing will go tumbling too. But, the, <laughs> but you'll notice I, I'm, I'm careful. I'm focused. Why? Because... I know if I get distracted, I can misstep and fall. What a spiritual lesson there is. See, many times we become stumbling, not because we didn't see the light. Oh, we saw the light. And we're grateful we saw the light because we were in darkness. And at once I was blind, but now I can see. But here's where we mess up. We get too distracted and we don't pay attention to where we need to be stepping. Paul 
talked about this. Paul said, talking about foods and the dietary laws, he says, it, it, it's, uh, everything's okay to eat. But he says, if you eat something that will cause your brother to stumble, don't eat it. Sometimes we miss that, don't we? Well, bless God, I don't know what the deal is with them. I can... I don't know why I can't do that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not sinful like that. If it causes a brother or sister to stumble, we don't need to be doing it. Many in the church, it's not because of those who are outside. They're in darkness. We understand that. And God has to reveal Himself to them. We understand that. My job is to give them the gospel. My job is to tell them about Jesus. But I have no control on the decision. And by the way, I cannot make them. That's something that only God can do in their hearts. Just like He did for you. Our problem's not the outside. Many times our problem's on the inside. Where many of us have stumbled because... Not because we engaged in sinful behavior. Just because we neglected the things that we ought to have been doing. Sins of omission. We're all guilty of that, are we not? So you can become a stumbling block. Now watch this. If someone's following us, and by the way, somebody is following you. If you've got a testimony that you're, uh, that you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you know you're saved and you don't have no problems being a witness, somebody is following you. Now, it might be from a distance, but they're following you. They're watching you. And if they're following you and you're not paying attention and you misstep, if they're following you, they're going to misstep as well. So not only have you stumbled, but if you cause somebody else to stumble as well. Peter reminds us that the church is a construction zone. We're always constantly in a building program. Oh, I'm not talking about brick and mortar. I'm talking about investing in people's lives that need to come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And when they come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, we're still in a building project because now we have to nurture them and we have to encourage them in their new faith walk with the Lord Jesus. Now's the time not to be a stumbling block or a stumbling zone. We need to be conscious of where we're going, how we're walking, how we're talking, and how we're living because somebody is watching us. Church, we're all builders. And we are building a spiritual house. A spiritual house that is not temporary, but eternal. It's time for us to invest in people's lives 
it's time for us to quit getting distracted. It's time for us to keep our eyes upon the author and finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ.